Hello. Yep. Hello. I think we're all here. Yeah, we are. No, uh, no sound issues. Everything's good. Looks that way. I don't see anything. You guys hear me? Yep. Uh, yep. Yep. Okay. So, uh, welcome to the B Team Podcast. My name is John Macy. I am joined by Josh Krugner. Hello. And everyone's favorite Canadian, Brett, Brent Perry. Hello. Okay, so how are we doing this evening, boys? Doing good. New phone. Good. Who dis? <laughs> um, Brent, I know you had a couple things you wanted to mention off the top because you weren't on our last couple shows. So I'm going to give you the floor for a couple minutes. Yeah, I just wanted to hit WandaVision, uh, where it looks like it's jumping through different like TV eras. I'm almost thinking that Mojo is going to be behind it all. She's going to be off on a little fucking side dimension. Hmm. I mean, if we get a Mojo pulled, you get full props on that one. You've been calling that <laughs> shit for years. Well, I, as soon as they said WandaVision, I was like, okay, that's a perfect way to, like, it seems like every step in the next couple of phases of the Marvel Universe is going to be, uh, uh, yeah, it seems like every, every, uh, Every step of the way is going to be some kind of alternate dimension. So Mojo verse kind of actually makes sense. Yeah. I mean, we live in a world with a Legion TV show, so you know, Mojo would not surprise me. <laughs> no, not one bit, actually. Right, and like they could they could spin that in that like, oh well, that's why the X Men weren't around for any of the big things in the last couple of years because Mojo had them fucking. Locked in Mojo World, fucking running TV shows. Hmm. Right oh, on by, the X Babies. By the way, speaking of something else, you weren't in on. Who did you want to win the Super Bowl anyway? Nobody. Oh, okay. So there was no. <laughs> no okay. I, got, I got Kansas City. Just the way they played last year, they steamrolled every game in the playoffs, even though they were behind in almost every one. So hmm. I'm gonna do it again. Cool. I just, okay. Oh, sorry. Go. It, I want Kansas City to win, and I want Joe Biden to do the exact same thing Donald Trump did last year. Oh. Oh wait, the city's not in the state. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> Chaos. That's all. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's funny. Was there anything else you wanted to mention before we uh, uh, get the main uh, topic here? No, I, we can jump in, and I'll just do that. Oh, sure. Um, okay, so, so our uh, main subject this evening will be a uh, recap and our thoughts on Season 2 of The Boys. Um, I guess we should all start maybe with, uh, since we've never actually done this show on here, uh, what, was our, what was our exposure to this, this property, I guess, before this show? Uh, I had none. I had heard from like Josh and a couple other people that it was actually a really good series, yeah. but I never read it myself. So I went in mostly blind. Okay. I'm kind of in your boat, Brent. I read the first trade when the show was first announced, and then probably six months later, like mm-hmm. promptly forgot about it entirely. So by the time the show actually started, it was just essentially just like watching it from zero. 
Uh, I had the trades for years, the old volume ones. Uh, so I think there was like 10 in total. And now with the uh, you know, Streamline Complete set, there's six. Um, so I'd gone through all of it. For the most part, the original comic series is great. Uh, it's definitely one of those ones that you will literally be hooked on the first page, especially if you don't know anything about it. It opens with Butcher basically face-stomping uh, a Captain America parody, and it's just gore and blood, and you're like, holy shit, what is this? And huh. uh, it doesn't let up from there. Um, I really enjoyed the first season for what it was. I thought it was interesting how it had already strayed from the comic. Uh, it is definitely an example of something that's a complete adaptation that I do enjoy. I didn't know where they were going to take season two. And uh, for the most part, I really enjoyed season two. I am definitely looking forward to season three. Cool. And I actually watched the whole thing in like a week and a half. So like to me, it you know, it's all just one big thing. Like I, I don't even really, you know, my brain doesn't separate it that much because I literally watched it in like 12 days tops. So to that point, um, you know, I had gone through season one. I want to say season one, they put it up all at once. And then season two, they did like the, you know, one a week thing. Uh, and I, I think for some shows that works for this one, it didn't that much. Uh, but I ended up going back through it because I, Sarah had never seen it. We were watching it with her brother and like immediately she was hooked on like the third, fourth episode of season two. So we went back through season one and we just binged the whole thing straight through. And uh, it's definitely an easy watch. I, uh, I kind of think they did week for week for season two just to see the stupid people on Twitter reaction to like Stormfront and some of the, the yeah. twists that happened through the season. Cause like, as I, like watching that play out in real time, like I knew right away, it was like, okay, she's going to turn out to be the big bad. She's got it. Like she's just too yep. sneaky at the start. Right. And everyone. Was... Uh, Brent, you there? Them? I think we might've lost him. Okay. Well, we'll keep going. Uh, he'll get back in here somehow. Message him on the on the side and just be like, you know, go in and out because I, I don't know how to do that on this phone yet. Yep. Uh, anyway, to, to pick up what he was saying, you know, I think that uh, the whole Stormfront thing was really good the way they handled it. Um, so I know you haven't really read most of the comic. I can say, you know, just the non-other things or things that went on a completely different direction in the comic Stormfront is just like another one of the uh, throwaway characters like the Deep. Like there's just really nothing to Stormfront. Right. Can you guys hear me now? Yep, you're back. Okay. Yeah, no, yep. just watching that whole thing. Yeah, and in the comic, isn't Stormfront a dude too? Stormfront's a dude and he, he's just a joke on, you know, he's Stormfront. He's like a, a white supremacist superhero. Hmm. hmm. Yeah, that makes more sense. But, like, I actually kind of like the whole, like, twist to where, like, she's actually a super old fucking Nazi. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Uh, and then they're setting up something for next year where the person is supposed to be a hero. And we'll see where they go with that. But we can talk about that later. Uh, the Jensen Ackles character, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, I woke up for that one. <laughs> <laughs> um. Now, season three looks like it could really go into some good places with, like, the way they set up that evil fucking Scientology church. 
Yeah, so that's uh, definitely something that they went through in the comics, too. But uh, we'll, we'll get to season three speculation and stuff at the end. Cool. Uh, so season one, season two, what, what were the highlights? What jumps out at you? Well, I mean, without getting, like, particular, because like I said, for me, it's just kind of all one big blur with some highlight moments. Like, I've always been a massive fan of Carl Urban. Yeah. So literally anything he does where he's front and center, I mean, I'm just, sign me up for it, whatever it is, because he's great. I mean, my Corey and I even liked that uh, Fox show he had a couple years ago where it was like some futuristic show where he was a human cop paired with a robot and it made it like one year and we were like really disappointed that they canceled it. I don't remember that. And, I've, I've, never, uh, yeah, I've never heard of that one. Uh, I think it was called um, Almost Human, maybe? I was going to say, it sounds like being human or almost human. Yeah. yeah. And I know J.J. Abrams was involved with it in some way and it ended on some really weird cliffhanger that they never bothered to go back and do anything with. But I, yeah, since the Lord of the Rings movies, at least, I've been a pretty big fan of his, so to see him in something like this, you know, and I'm I'm one of the few Star Trek fans I know that actually likes his McCoy in the J.J. movies. Oh, yeah. Like, McCoy was the best character out of those movies. Yeah. The closest one to what it should have been, anyway. Yeah. But, like, you know, most of them get slammed for doing impressions of the original people, but he somehow did that and made it work in a way that wasn't, like, you're clearly doing an impression. Well, it's the it's forest. Kelly was so animated in the first place that, like, it, it doesn't feel wrong when someone makes it a character of him. You know what I mean? He was yeah. a character of himself in the first place. Like, well, so speaking of the Star Trek connection, uh, you know, one of his co-stars is involved with the boys. And uh, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, Simon Pegg was basically the actual oh, inspiration for Huey in the comics. He looks just like him. But those comics, again, came out, you know, 15, 20 years ago. So, he so he's, he's playing, you know, Huey as, as, I guess, a younger guy, like, you know, mid, early 30s. Whereas now he's Simon Pegg, who's like 50, and uh, he's playing his father. And what do you think of him just randomly showing up with, like, no fanfare and a weird American accent? I, I didn't dislike it, but it, it just, it seems such a weird character for Simon Pegg because he's just so dour and, like, just mopey like usually peg is like a fucking energy guy right yeah so it just it just it was an odd choice but when i heard like the explanation of like oh it was based the original huey was based on him so that's why they brought him in as a father it's just a call back to that i was like okay well that's that's a neat nod for a show to do to homage the comic right yeah and yeah. I, mean, I don't actually know you know where that came from if uh garth ennis is like actually friends with him or he just, for whatever reason, said, you know what? This is my guy, but. And I knew he was the reference point for it uh, back then. And my one thing with it, like, I like seeing him in it, but I kind of thought because it was him, I thought the role would be bigger. Yeah. And it kind of wasn't. So I don't know if he would, if you follow the comic more than I do, if he would come back later or anything, or obviously they're deviating anyway. So I guess he could do that. Um, I would just say, you know, again, no spoilers. He's if he's in the comics, I don't even remember. Uh, so we're talking like you know a non-existent part. I, I think it was really just written into you know 
give Huey more of a supporting cast, uh, TV Huey rather, and uh, you know because it's Simon Pegg. But yeah, I can yeah. I can almost see him getting killed off by one of the like bad guy organizations coming up just to fucking pull some heartstring moments. Yeah, I, I could see that. I think that would be a little bit lazy, but I guess because they've set up the character, you know, like this is this is a character that basically uh, is going to go like a, a you know Batman animated series route where the character didn't really exist outside of the TV medium. And became like a fan favorite, and everybody loves him. So if they were to kill him off, it definitely would have that effect. He's the Aunt Harriet. Yep. He's the Aunt Harriet of the boys. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't think we've really gotten into you know great uh, page to screen casting before. Uh, I think we would all agree that this show just nails it for like five people. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, we talked about Carl Urban as Butcher. Uh, he's definitely different from the comics because, like, you know, he's Carl Urban. He's playing it with his charm. Butcher is just a complete Butcher. fuck in the comics. Yeah. And um, the the way that they end everything with him, it just, for me, it doesn't work. Um, and I wouldn't want to see Carl Urban playing that character because... It just goes off the rails entirely. Uh, but, you know, the, he, he definitely made a more sympathetic butcher. He's funny. He's charming. Um, Aaron Moriarty as um, Annie. I mean, Jesus Christ. That was she's great. Incredible. She's better than... Um, what the hell was her face? Um, in, in Watchmen. Not... Uh, <laughs> Not Malin Ackerman, but her mother. Uh, you know the oh, original uh, Carla Gugino. Uh, yes, thank you. I couldn't remember her name. She's in like fucking everything. Um, but yeah, and then of course, um, oh Christ, I don't remember his name. Anthony, whatever his name is, is Homelander. Anthony like, Starr. Thank yeah, you. He's absolutely, he's great. Kills it. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Meg Ryan's kid as Huey. I don't know if it's because i like the comics huey or i just i don't think there's much going on with this character but holy shit you know, I, he's I, all right i never realized that was meg ryan's kid yeah it's um dennis quaid's son dennis quaid and meg ryan yep <laughs> yeah that actually makes sense now that you say it but i didn't realize i never knew that before i've learned something today <laughs> i do like him but you know i think the problem is they don't you know they're trying to give that character some kind of progression. And like, if he suddenly turns into just another version of butcher, it's like, it's almost like, how do you get there? How do you, yeah. how, how you get there is have Andy taken away from him in some way and then have his father killed in front of him. And that just turns him into a cynic for a season or right. two. And that, I think that's kind of where the arcs are going to go for him. Right. Yeah. That, that would make sense. Oh, I think you're right. But would they do that this early? Like I get, at this point, he's kind of supposed to be like a conscience for Butcher. Like, what are you doing? You know? Um, And I think over time, you're right that that's where it's going to get to. He's going to be just as jaded and cynical as all the rest of them are. I mean, I get the feeling that they basically planned for like maybe two seasons, didn't expect it to be as popular as it is, and now they're, you know, basically they have the room to do whatever they want. Yeah, now I think they're going to plan it out more long for him. There's a spinoff coming too, isn't there? They're doing like some kind of superhero college thing. Yes. Hmm. 
And I believe that's going to follow the, uh, I mean, in the comics, they, they do a whole uh, parody on, on like, you know, deep dive, like superhero teams. So there's like one of the X-Men, one of the Titans, the Outsiders, they, they just keep going. Yeah. Uh, and I think that one is more the the X-Men and uh, New Mutants thing. I'm also the, a, the G-Men as it was. Yeah. I'm also a big fan of the Deep. Yeah, the the Deep in the show is hysterical. Um in the comics like I said he was a a one and done forgettable character and um he didn't really have any consequence at all. Yeah. I kind of read it as like Chase Crawford's the only one who's playing it like he's a regular guy who also happens to have superpowers. And he's like yeah. commenting on how ridiculous the whole thing is. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, they set him up to, you know, basically be like a, a sleazeball. And then he kind of has his little redemption arc where he's languishing in uh, Sandusky. And then he's got his own, uh, I guess, body image issues. Yeah. My two favorite bits with him were the the dolphin bit in season one mm-hmm. and then the thing in season two where he's like talking like the gills are talking to him oh, yeah. See, that, I wasn't I didn't think that was great the dolphin thing obviously I, I love that I just I love the very non-subtle Aquaman jokes where he'll walk into a room <laughs> and have a one-sided conversation with fish and he'll just be like you know that lobster the lobster yeah and, you know <laughs> the lobster thing was great yeah, yeah, because yeah. it seems like every time he actually does try and do something like noble, <laughs> he ends up getting the fucking animal killed, and it's like that—that that seems like a fucking fun running joke they could keep going. Yeah, right. Because last year at the end of the season, he rides the big whale in, and the fucking boat just blows through the poor bastard. Like, yep. Again, like he had—he tried to do this big like noble hero moment, and he just—he totally fucked the animal that he was trying to help. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. I definitely think you're right, Josh. I think Amazon's going to try to ride this show into the ground as it's like this and the Jack Ryan show are the only things they have that are working. I mean, I can't blame them. I have not seen the Jack Ryan show. I'm a huge uh, Jack Ryan fan, but uh, if you're saying it's good, I might check it out. I haven't touched it yet. It's on my really, really long list of things to get to. Well, look, if if we're talking comics, we're talking Amazon, just for a brief segue... Um, I know they do a series of, you know, documentaries about the comic book industry. A lot of them suck. There's one up on Chris Claremont. It's him. It's Louise Simonson and Ann Nacenti. It's fucking incredible. Definitely check it out if you're an old school Claremont X-Men. Is that the uh, Chris Claremont's X-Men one? Yep. Okay, I've seen the ads for that. I haven't actually watched it. I'm going to have to check that one out. Yeah. I will have to. And uh, there is definitely some some bad blood with Jim Shooter, even after all these years. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, but I... anyway, back back to the boys. Um, so yeah, to just give you some context, and I mean, you said you read the first tree. Uh, for anybody who doesn't want to hear, you know, we're not really going into spoilers. Just a little bit of the overview. Um, in the comics, the main, main difference without any of the plot stuff is every single one of the boys from like the first page is on Compound V and it basically just gives them like infinite superpowers so that they can take down the boys and the way or do they can take down the seven rather. And the way that it's structured, the seven is like, you know, obviously the Justice League Avengers parody 
and they have to go through all the other teams first to get to them. Uh, so they're really able to build to that. And then while they're doing that, you know, all, all the like on the show, the scenes we have with the seven, we get less of that. And it, it's more of a, a build to that. So we're basically just with Homelander and we get little snippets of people here and there until we get to those books where they're almost on the same level. So they, they build them up in the comics as like these untouchable, you know, godlike figures, almost like Justice League uh, when the Marvel Universe invaded. And it's way more focused on the ancillary teams and characters, whereas in the show, the seven is front and center. And like the other ones are kind of a joke, like people know they exist, but they don't really care. And we see a lot of that with like the whole A-Train feuds with the different speedsters <clears throat> Uh, you know, obviously Popclaw, and they, they make mention of some of the other teams they were on. Uh, Haley Joel Osmond's character. Yeah. Mesmer. Mesmer. <laughs> I wonder if, if some of that structuring and putting the show around the seven more is because, you know, and I, I can't speak to exactly when the comic was originally written, but I wonder if some of it's a comment on, like, this is a world we're in a world now where in pop culture, the Avengers are a thing and the justice league are a thing. So like maybe structuring it this way, they feel like they can make easier jumps in terms of parody satire or whatever. Absolutely. A hundred percent. So just to piggyback off of that, the comics, I want to say it was 2003 to 2006. Um, you know, the whole thing with the plane, that was actually 9-11 and <clears throat> basically uh, Homelander causes 9-11 and um, it's actually in, in the comics it's way more fucked up than even what was on the show and I mean you know that was obviously one of the most fucked up scenes on the show and people still talk about it because of how you know shocking it was um, back then you know nobody knew who the Avengers were Nobody knew who the fuck Iron Man was until that movie came out and it was a success. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to the many, many conversations we've had about, you know, Zack Snyder's movies and especially his Superman, the way that Homelander is written is so much more nuanced and subtle. And, you know, now on the show, they, they can basically do a... Uh, something in the middle between the two of those. And I definitely think uh, Anthony Starr nails that. Oh, yeah. well, that. Well, that's the thing though. Like you can take a character like Homelander where like not many people know him and you can pull that off. But like with Superman, you just can't do that. Like it's so against character that like, unless you actually have a good fucking plan, it doesn't work. And like, there was never a good plan for DC from Snyder. So like a lot of this show feels like it's like, like <laughs> look, we can do it right. You dumb fuck. Yeah. yeah. To, to build off your Homelander point there, Josh, I mean, the one thing I've noticed, and again, this is like the level of scrutiny I gave it in watching it as quickly as I did close together, is like I remember the first trade, like when they show the entire seven, like they're all complete psychopaths. And I feel like what the show has done is they're kind of all assholes, but Homelander is the only true psychopath. Yes, they've definitely, I would say, humanized everyone, even Homelander, way more. Like in the book, they're they're basically just jaded assholes. They were a dark Justice League parody, and then you know there was a lot of elements of uh, Watchmen there. 
You know, like Queen Maeve in in the book is basically the age silk specter. She's like, you know, middle aged and she's just a perpetual drunk. Whereas on the show, you know, she's young. She's obviously like this Wonder Woman stand in and uh, she's got her whole like identity thing going on. Yeah. And I mean, even even her, like the way that she plays that part, like everybody on this show is, is just fucking great for the most part. Yeah, they really nailed the uh, the casting on a lot of that. And, you know, Sarah's awake now, so she's again saying she's excited for her boy Jensen Ackles to show up. And uh, having really gone through almost all of Supernatural, uh, it was my first time. We, we went all the way up to season 11 before we burnt out, but we'll get back to it. Uh, I'm a huge fan, and he's definitely now again my pick for the next Hal Jordan. <laughs> he wants Red Hood, from what I've heard. Well, he was Red Hood. Oh, but so. he also wants to do Red Hood in live action, I believe. That would be awesome, and he's definitely at the right age now. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, that that show, like, I almost wish there was more of it already, because, like, I was just starting to get into a groove with it, and I get to the last one, and I'm like, oh, they haven't even started producing the third season yet, had they? Oh, oh, well. Definitely. I mean, that's one of these shows that, you know, when things move to streaming – it's like you can watch stuff whenever you want. The moving the week to week thing, like it brought me back to how shows used to be. But I was like, you know, I'm just going to wait. I want to watch like two, three in a row. Yeah. I think they did that too in part because they did like the Talking Dead type thing and started an, ap- an after show for it. And I oh, I wasn't sure if they had. No, they, they have. I haven't looked at it or anything, but I know that one exists. Yeah. Um. Yeah, let me think. Um, yeah, I just, you're right. Every actor in it is, you know, fantastic almost. Like, they really, like, even the one who never speaks, the, the little Asian girl. Yeah, who I believe wasn't she in um, Suicide Squad? Wasn't she Katana? Possibly. Uh, she might have been. Where I'm she not also sure. hardly ever spoke. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, he. <laughs> I, I never uh, remember recognized actors, actresses, unfortunately. You know, my better half does that, and um, I'm not sure. So I will take your word on that one. It's probably I got to look it up. Um, she, she's great. She definitely is exactly like in the comics. Um, I think she is definitely confirmed to be on uh, on the V, in, in the, even in the show. Yeah, yeah, because uh, they were trying to make fucking super villains, or Homelander had that whole thing in season one where, like, yeah, he was going behind their back to make a threat to make the heroes look better and shit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that I figured, you know, having read the book, like, I'd be like, oh, we'll see, like, little visual cues and things here and there. Uh, and then, especially the world we live in, um, you know, now... It's like they're they're not going to be able to do half this stuff. Uh, they definitely put in the scene of Homelander jerking off on the city, and I heard that like you know he had a ball filming that. I was shocked they did yeah, that. Yeah, uh, and then I found out there's something coming up with season three, which if you guys don't know it, I'm not even going to tell you what it's called because holy shit, I can't wait to see what they do with that. That sounds interesting. Uh, what what I will say is, you know, because obviously this is a world with superheroes. And then this was before the uh, influx of superhero movies in, in our real world. So it was all, you know, deep cut comic stuff. They needed a reason why all the various teams would have a crossover every year. 
So Vaught's PR cover story was, you know, the seven and, and this team and that team. It's like, you know, well, now they're going to go fight this alien race or now they're, they're going to go like into this dimension. And they would put up this big press release and like the people would like buy T-shirts. It was almost like the Super Bowl. But the heroes themselves went and uh, let's say did something. And I cannot wait to see how that's going to go down on this TV show. Hmm. Huh. Um, but beyond that, you know, I think that the changes they've made for the most part definitely work. Um, you know, like in, in the comics, Mother's Milk is a, a much different character uh, and his name actually has significance. I can't imagine that becoming a thing on the TV show. You know, Garth Dennis is an old head. He's, he's known for like the eighties, uh, Neil Gaiman style of, you know, he was doing Hellblazer and, and then obviously he did preacher. Uh, he can be very, very gory, very, uh, raunchy. Um, and then he's, he's not subtle with his messaging. And whereas, you know, this show isn't that subtle, but it's more, applicable to our world now when this came out you know it was a, a different time a different world and um so mother's milk is basically like this dude who grew up in the projects it's a little bit like the show they've at least hinted at it you know with his father and his mother so his mother worked in this factory and they basically like pumped her full of not compound v but some thing that they were using to basically make a uh i guess a street level one and he became addicted to it and he gets his super strength from literally drinking his mother's milk. So like when he starts to lose his powers, he'll turn into the Hulk and uh, he has to go and actually like breastfeed off of her. As oh, my Hulk. God. And she's like this giant monster that's just like, you know, 40 percent like giant. Tits. It's yeah, that actually make like the butcher character has that nickname for him in the show. But like if it means anything, I miss what that was. Yeah, I, I like they never explain it. It's just and they usually just call yep. MMM. I, I can't imagine they would go anywhere near that route. I think they're just going to, you know, explore the thing with his father and, and then maybe it'll be like uh almost like a CW thing where you find out like in season three that like he has some residual powers yeah, or something. Probably. Looks like we lost Brent again. Hopefully he'll figure that out. Whoop. All right. Well, again, while we're waiting for him, um, so what episodes, what moments jumped um, out at you? Because I, I definitely want to go into basically the whole season two plot line. And, um, you know, I, I don't know about the rest of you, but I fucking yep, love it. I enjoyed it, too. I mean, for me, it was a lot of the, you know, seeing as much like superhero stuff as we have, you know, between the three of us, we've probably seen every single thing that's ever existed as far as TV and movies in some ways. But for me, a lot of the smaller moments were like, and just the level to which this, this show was willing to go like the absolutely psychotic route. Like the, and I'm pretty sure this was in season two, but when they go, when Huey and Butcher go to that nursery thing and he's taken out Uh the, he's taken out the soldiers holding the baby with the heat vision. Like, that yeah. was insane, and I'm. I want to say that might have been season one towards the yeah. end, but yeah, I mean, that, that was Corey didn't insane. really watch it with me, but she could tell when it, when I hit something that was like past my cognitive line because she said you could just hear me laughing like a maniac, 
every couple of hours. <laughs> like, you know, and I think I think this this shows like I almost wonder too if they have a certain debt to Deadpool in that Deadpool showed that this kind of thing could be done and that there was an audience for it. Absolutely. You know, Deadpool pushed that envelope. People wanted, you know, either the the grim dark DCEU or the kid friendly, lighthearted MCU. And Deadpool basically was like, you know, I'm gonna do uh, an R-rated superhero deconstructive commentary and like 70 million and yep. make almost a billion and uh oh yeah there's an yeah, audience yeah. for that yeah deadpool proved that there's an audience for everything comic book related mm-hmm. and i mean I've, I've said you know obviously i love ryan reynolds i hate the character of deadpool for the most part especially in the comics of the last 10 years i love that fucking yep. movie I like the second one more because it was even more of an X-Men movie at Cable, but like, holy shit, did I love that movie. Yep. So you guys do think that that church plot line is going to go somewhere? Because I, you know, we were talking about after I finished earlier this week, I know there's more of it coming, but the way that season ended felt like a pretty clean break to me. The way I'm reading it is that that church is going to start to take down Vought with information that they've had stored for like however many years the church has been around. So I think they're actually end up being a bigger threat overall. I think it's basically going to go kind of like the Sparrows in uh, Game of Thrones. Um, I know in the comics, I want to say it was the same church. It was a different plot line. And again, you know, Garth Ennis basically was doing his, uh, well, you could say political commentary about, you know, both real world figures and uh, people in the comics industry and then characters in, in comics. And uh, there's there's a whole like, you know, televangelist and then there's a, a dark Charles Xavier and all of that's intertwined. Oh. Uh, and then, of course, you know, the whole thing with Annie where basically she came from the whole church life, uh, all of that comes into play as well. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think all of the seven have been, or I guess except with the exception of Black Noir, who's probably just there to be a badass, and maybe they'll get something out of that down the road. But I think most of them have been pretty well fleshed out, but if they really wanted to, they could, you know, and I know it's a short season show and they're probably not going to do this, in that same way, but I mean, they could do entire episodes about some of these people and like give you their backgrounds or give you just stuff from their perspective. And I'd be down for that just as much as anything they've already done. So it's interesting you say that and uh, actually tie this back to the Claremont thing I plugged before because it came up there too. Um, one of the trades, it was, I want to say like volume seven. You know, after an event that happens, uh, Huey basically, because in, in the comics, he's, he's from Scotland, uh, he wants to go home. Oh, that's right. That's where his parents come in. So, yeah, his parents are there. They're only in that one trade. Um, there is an entire trade, and I want to say, you know, probably somewhere six to ten issues of just Huey and just Annie, and it's like, them as civilians dating and then she goes and meets his parents and it's just this completely pared down you know real character study um and then to tie it to the claremont thing they were talking about you know 
how you used to be able to write like these big, you know, outer space events, like it was X-Men versus the brood. And then they went into life death and it was just storm and forge basically having a dinner date and, uh, you know, waxing philosophy. Yep. And, um, you know, the boys definitely did that. So it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if they were to have at least, you know, one of those like deconstructed episodes. And even, you know, we, we made a couple of allusions to uh, walking dead, they definitely did that with the the governor at like that end of the season where they tried to humanize him for all of one episode, and uh, that was definitely like one of the highest rated episodes uh, that, that year. So, and even I can see that working with Walking Dead again with Morgan when they did his backstory of where he was after his you know, everything fell. Yes, definitely. Trying to learn the fucking bow yeah. staff with uh, Drew Carey's brother. Oh, also with the boys, there's a. Um, I mean, I he's basically just supposed to be Stan Lee, but he's he's a bunch of other people as well. I don't think he was Jack Kirby, but he was like Stan Lee and then like, you know, Simon and Schuster and various editors. Uh, there was I forget what the character's name was, but he had been around basically since the beginning in like the 30s. And uh, Huey like keeps just going and visiting him and then, you know, like finding out about the good old days. And there's like almost a whole trade or at least, you know, an issue or two of him basically talking about like back in the thirties. And uh, I could definitely see if uh, Jensen Ackles is who they're setting him up to be, that could be like a thing they go. That'd be interesting. Earth and his version of the justice society. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. I'd actually be really into that. That's yeah. (laughs) Also another one of the little moments I enjoyed was, I believe it was the last episode and, Brent, you a couple shows back, you mentioned something similar in The Mandalorian. Another one of those earned girl power moments that yep. the MCU certainly couldn't figure out. Well, it's funny because, like, in episode three or four, they have that staged fucking movie that they're doing, and it's like so forced girl power moment. You know, it's a shot at like the Avengers fucking endgame scene, right? And then at the end of the season, yep. when everything is revealed and you find out Stormfront is a bad guy, the fucking, the three fucking, like, Decent chicks, uh, Queen Maeve, Starlight, and the Asian girl. They all—they're all kicking her ass, and like it's a super badass fight. But it's yeah, exactly like Mandalorian. Like it's an earned moment. Nobody complained about it, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, so again, this goes to you know if people are actually fans of things, you know, and uh, if they know better, I guess. Um, so in, in the comics, the the deep is a black guy. I haven't heard a single person complaining that they recast <laughs> and made him a white guy. And I'm like, I don't think anybody is aware of this. Um, but yeah, to, to that, and then just the Stormfront in general. So, you know, I absolutely love Aya Cash. She was on a show I've definitely plugged called You're the Worst. I showed it to Sarah. We ran through the whole thing. Um, when I heard she was playing Stormfront and then, you know, the, the usual suspects, and some of those are, unfortunately, friends of mine who jumped the gun on things they don't really know. Uh, but a lot of them have gotten better about it, especially since Nerdrotic's become a thing. Um, you know, they were all bitching about how, like, oh, this character in a comic I never read, it was a dude, now it's a chick. And I was like, I can't wait to see where they go with this. And the, the idea that, you know, I mean, the only thing that was ruined for me was I basically knew who she was right away. And I figured that, you know, she would A, be the big bad and be you know they were they were setting up that whole like i guess red skull <laughs> plot line uh and it would be revealed that she had been around forever um 
you know, the social media thing and the, you know, the Twitter influencer mob and, and you know, winning the people over with, with memes. I, I thought that whole thing was just fucking Absolutely. brilliant because you have Homelander, who's obviously this like, you know, 30 Superman thing. And he's obviously what the trades and the powers that be that would write about these things usually in, in the worst possible way, you know, things like now Forbes and uh, news Rama and, and all the other usual suspects, you know, he's your throwback white male Superman. And, and she's this, you know, millennial uh, hipster social media influencer. And then knowing that they had no idea what was coming mm-hmm. and waiting to see how they would react to it what? made it even better for me because I was like, the show is brilliant enough to take who they think is their savior, turn it on their heads, and just fucking throw them. Well, the it's a lot like what happened perfect. with Game of Thrones, only it was like condensed into one season instead of stretched over eight, where everyone was just, oh, Daenerys, Khaleesi, Khaleesi, Daenerys, and people name their fucking kids that. And then she goes fucking nuts, which like anyone that read the books knows is coming in some way or form, right? Yeah. And like, then they're like, oh my yep. God, now I'm going to have to fucking call my daughter by her middle name now because that's just not right. And it's like, you guys are all idiots. Like, just, they're all fucking idiots. But like, is it, I, like, yep. with Stormfront, like, as that played out week by week, I still think that was why it was done week by week, just to see the fucking idiots be like, she's great, she's great. Wait a minute. Oh no. And then fucking lose their shit. Yeah, that that wouldn't surprise me. I also me do think, though, as, as brilliantly as it was done, and maybe I do kind of look at these things too hard to a degree, but I think I wonder if there could have been another way you got there without her, like, and I get the whole idea that she had this army of followers and whatever, but I wonder if there's a more subtle way you could have gotten there without her giving, like, Trump-type speeches. Oh, well, that's what they were going for, though. I know, I know they were, but... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I so no. Gareth Ennis doesn't do subtle. He's he's just straight out like I have a thing to say about this, and this is that thing, and yep. it's like it or not, and that's why it works. It's because there's it's unapologetic. Yep. I think my problem with something like that is, you know, and obviously the artist has the right to do whatever exactly it is they want to do, but I feel like when you do stuff like that, and I would make the same make the same claim against Wonder Woman eighty four for making Maxwell Lord a Trump clone, mm. it just kind of it just kind of dates it to the period it was released in. And it is almost an easy out at this point. Like, Yeah, that too. So I, I would say in this one instance, I think that was the point because so much of comics and even comic movies over the last five years has very unfortunately become, you know, anti-Trump all the time, whether it's warranted or, or needed or whatever. Um, and I, I really think that that was the point to date it, to make it topical. I mean, so much of this season, you know, was really on the nose uh, pop culture. Like we talked about the A-Force thing. There's the whole mention of, of the different There's the parody of the and, girl uh, power. And then like, them, here's how you actually do it moment. Like there's yeah. a lot of it. Yeah. You know, every, everything with A-Train where they're basically doing uh, the Zack Snyder thing that they did. Speaking and, of Snyder, uh, was that you know. director of the Dawn of the Seven movie someone I should have known? Uh, the actor or the a, name? Did the they actually hire like some director that should have been recognizable to play that role? 
I hmm. don't know. I, have to I don't remember, up, I unfortunately. Every time yeah. he was on screen, I'm like, I feel like they want me to know who this is, and I don't. Yeah, they were kind of giving... Shit, now I, I don't remember who the director was, and now I'm like... Was I know somebody? who you mean, and I know what you're saying. Like they, they held on face shots of him for longer than they would have if it was just a regular extra, so it's like, well, who is this guy? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to look that up when we're done. Because it's going to bug me. Yep. And I also, being a huge Billy Joel fan, and maybe in some ways this is, and it's cheesy, I'm sure, but maybe in some ways this is kind of why I identify more with the the TV version of the Huey character is that, you know, he's obsessed with Billy Joel, and he makes several references to, you know, this is the music that was playing in my house when I was a kid, which was also true of me at that point. Both my parents loved his music, and I was basically raised on it. So, like, the second that stuff started playing, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, great. You know? Um, one of the best moments in season one is when Butcher gives the Spice Girl speech. Oh. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. Like, I got a, a friend of mine, one of, my, one of my best friends. She lives in Newfoundland, and, like, she's not super into comic stuff, but when she watches something, like, yeah, she stared at the boys, and when she got to that, she was like, oh, my God, this show just fucking broke me. I was like, I know, right? It's pretty good. Yeah, the uh, the chemistry, the um, themes, everything on that show works, and a lot of it yeah. better than it should, or, you know, I think that they even thought even it could. Even things that I tend not to accept in, like, other, other shows or other movies or whatever, like, all of that kind of soap opera-ish stuff where, like, Butcher's wife, he thought she was dead and she's not, and she's actually raped by Homelander and has his kid and whatever, like... All that stuff really worked for me when you do it in most other shows. I'd be like, well, that's fucking ridiculous. And, you know, but somehow it manages to work in there. Well, yeah, it, it's a lot yeah. like Deadpool in that the first Deadpool movie, especially in that regard, where it's like there's nothing that's a stretch. Like you've seen the same plot line a thousand times in something else. And usually you go, "Ugh," and you'll roll your eyes. But with just with everything they do and how they do it so well, you're like, okay, well, let's see where it's going with this. And usually it doesn't yeah. disappoint, right? Yeah. I, think to, I think to me some of that is like uh, just the way maybe it's a conscious decision by the production team or whatever or just how the actors are doing it, but everyone doing it seems to be completely committed to the role no matter how ridiculous it might come across. So mm-hmm. like, yes, that stuff with the dead wife and the Homelander's kin, whatever, comes off very like telenovela, but because they're committed to it, it somehow works anyway. So my my main issue with the season, I just I wasn't the biggest fan of the last episode. Uh, the whole season, I, I really enjoyed. I felt like that was very, very predictable, very uh, you know to a script. Um, you know, John, if you're going to go back and read the comics, I would say there's definitely enough of a yeah. difference with that whole plot point. Um, and maybe they've explored some of how it happens in the comics. But, you know, the show hasn't ruined you on the cool. comics and vice versa. That's good to hear. Um, what sucks is there's one huge thing that anybody who's read the comics knows about. 
there were a couple things that happened this season where now it's possibly almost definite that they can't go that route. Uh, but then there's theories to the contrary. And um, I'm not going to say anything now. I'm just going to say when this comes back around, let's say next year, uh, I will say that if they are still going in that direction, I was still expecting it. Uh, but beyond that, the plot points for season three are pretty much going to be all new. And then based on like, again, just some of the standout stuff from the later trades, like the, uh, the big yeah. crossover event. It's a really fun show. Like I, you know, I don't know how I missed it. The, the first season, it just kind of, maybe there was so much other stuff. It just kind of went over my head, but, and I don't, up until recently, I haven't really considered Amazon Prime to be something I need to be looking at. Um, I mean, Amazon Prime has had a lot of really great stuff. Most of it hasn't lasted. Um, for me, I missed Preacher, and by that I mean I basically skipped it on purpose because I think it was on like AMC. Sci-Fi or something basic cable where I knew and that was it. Yeah, I'm like, how can you do Preacher on AMC? You know, it's a Garth Ennis thing. There's not going to be any nudity. There's not going to be any gore. Um, so I, I still haven't seen that one. I heard, for the most part, good things. But when I heard they were doing The Boys, I had kind of the same reaction. And then knowing the world we live in and the whole anti-Comicsgate movement and all that, I was like, there's no way they could do The Boys now. And it's not going to piss everyone <laughs> off. And it's just going to be watered down. And man, There was, was just something on going that. on in hockey. Or he's trying to take a shit. No, my team just won in overtime. Oh, good. <laughs> they hey, played like shit, but they won the game, so I'll take it. Considering that we had Justin Justin go. doing laundry on here, I had a certain thought process that it could have been anything. <laughs> <laughs> you never know what you're yeah, going to We're hear. by no means professionals. Nope, not at all. And that's half the fun. Hey, you know, everybody starts somewhere. Um, so anyway, to the rest of the comments on the boys, you know, like I said, one of my favorite things about the comics is just the really subtle, uh, you know, blink and you miss it humor. Uh, to give you an example, the deep ends up changing teams and he becomes not Stormfront, but he's like some white supremacist and he's basically in like a full KKK get up. And again, oh, in the comics, he's a black guy. And, like, it's just a, a one little panel of him in his robe. And they're like, you know, will the Deep join this team? And, you know, he hoped nobody would notice, but he's black, so we could see him. And they just show, like, his eyes through the hood. I wonder. And little, little things um, like that always make that me almost sounds like on the that, that, that That's a like whole scenario. Almost sounds like they just they were fans of the Dave Chappelle show and they, when it was being written. So that fucking yep. Tyrone, or not Tyrone, oh, exactly. that was the crackhead. Who was uh, oh. Titan Bigsby? Yep, yep. The uh, black Klansman. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yep. But um, you know, so so little things like that always make me laugh. The the funniest shit for me was um, Chris. I don't even remember his name. It, it's like Eagle or the the, yeah, the no, obvious it was Eagle uh, the Archer parody guy that that's with the yeah, and and like they they just keep you know making mention of him and his his bow and arrow and and just you know how he's a joke and. Yeah, I mean all that. Shit, I also like the, uh, the I think it was Blind Spot, the very clear Daredevil rip. Uh, yep, 
the the guy here, which who, is funny uh, because in, in a recent Daredevil run, Daredevil had a had an Asian sidekick named Blindspot. <laughs> yeah, so he he wore oh, like an funny. invisibility suit. It wasn't the same power set or anything, but that did make me laugh. That's funny. Yeah, a lot of the uh, the side heroes. Uh, some of them showed up in the comics that I remember, but some are, are new for the uh, yeah for that's... the series. Yep, I think yeah, I definitely think it's a really enjoyable show. I mean, it's not for everybody. If you're sensitive to like the level of gore and whatever, you probably don't want to bother with it. If you don't like the word, if you don't like the word cunt, you know, I'd at least avoid any scene that Carl Urban's in if you don't like the word cunt. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you yeah. know, that's uh, that's just Billy Butcher. But no, I, I mean, it's it's. I would say it's a, a smarter show. You know, everybody looks at it. Oh, it's just another superhero show. Oh, it's got some themes. It's got some things to say. And it's one of the few um, shows right now that's like, okay, fuck you know. this woke culture. We're just gonna tell good stories, no matter if we piss people off or not. And I mean, we need more of that. Yeah. When you really get down to it, like, yes, not getting into the politics right. on either side, but you need to have shows that make you like. In order to have, like be a thought-provoking show or like something that you can gain interest in, you have to risk being offensive in some way or form, and that's why I like unapologetic shit like that. Like, and that's that's why I love the you know the whole format and even the uh, I guess the villain of the season, you know, Windstorm from being the whole world culture because you know you have your typical traditional superhero story. And then, you know, set in our world now and can it work and, you know, what are the conflicts going to be? You know, it's, it's one thing if they're just punching each other, but, you know, watching Homelander lose his mind and then the scene where he, like, lasers everybody yeah. and oh, it's yeah. just in his head. I thought that was great. When that scene happened, I was like, oh, this just happened. Great. And then it was all in his head and he's all concerned with his image. I thought that was incredible. You know, he's like killing the terrorists and then he's like oh i'm down I also thought on the, social media. the true moment where i realized just how much of a psycho he is right and it's pretty far in you would think i would have noticed it before this but when he goes i think he went to like i can't even remember what kind of what which season it was i think it was season two because i think stormfront references it when he goes to like that african village and he takes the, takes the warlords out but he also uh-huh. kills that one guy by mistake and he's just like whoops it just flies off yeah. But I mean that that's basically yep. American foreign policy right there. Oh, we killed twenty of our allies? Fuck it, we killed exactly. two hundred of the other guys. <laughs> net worth is a fucking net gain, right? Horseshoes and hand grenades, right? Basically, yeah, right. But yeah, like Well, that was another thing. I, I really love the idea that like in this world there haven't actually been any supervillains. Because in the comics, it's kinda like Watchmen where they gloss over it, and it's like, you know, yeah, there's superheroes, so there's obviously also supervillains or just people who would use their powers that way. Uh, but the way they set it up in season two, it's like there have never been supervillains, and that's why they're calling them super terrorists. And they even say they're like, well, yeah, because the like, oh, first one better. was that's last year the fire starter guy that Homelander created, right? Yeah. Who was trying to smuggle him over, and that was all going to be right. a big PR attempt. And I love the way that they do the like, there's like, yeah the whole politics of it, like within VOD itself, like just the company is fucking, that's actually interesting stuff when where like, there's a lot of stuff that tries to do that. And it's boring as shit. Like the courthouse scene from uh, BVS. 
Oh God. Right. Like how dull was that? And like, basically yeah. this is explaining all the same stuff that, who was it? Holly Hunter. Yep. Yeah. It's like it, anything that she was in that movie yep. to do, they do within like the Vought corporation when you're hearing people talk back and forth and like the politics of that is actually interesting. Whereas like BBS, which was attempting to do the exact same thing, just failed so horribly at it. Like, Well, I remember saying, you know, at the time when it came out, you had obviously Civil War, but then you had that was uh, season two of Daredevil and like the whole just the courtroom dynamic and the people, you know, whether they rallied behind Frank Castle or not, like that was so much more interesting than any of just the, you know, the superhero that, stuff yeah. and then the, the punching and all that. And uh, that show know, actually been, fucking tricked me because they brought Clancy Brown in. And, like, I thought it was just going to be a one-off. And I was like, oh, wow, Clancy Brown came in and wasn't the bad guy. And then at the end of it, it's like, ah, oh, fucking Clancy Brown. Right? Yep. And, yep, I mean, got me too. anytime he shows up, you know he's the bad guy. So, like, to actually pull that off where I forgot he was in it and then, like, holy shit, yeah, right. Well, that was actually pretty fucking good writing. Like, Exactly. Yeah, that, I, I actually bought that. Um, and I'm glad I bought that because, you know, Years ago, I was like, oh, things aren't going to stay on Netflix. And, uh, well, now they're definitely not. But I have that, and I have season a lot one of, them of uh, Jessica Jones. And a lot of them you can't get. Say, if you can find them, buy them. Now. Like, they're really hard to get your hands. Like, you can, I don't think Defenders is even out there. Yeah. I did not get that one, but I wasn't a huge fan. But yeah. I think I read somewhere, Brent, speaking of Clancy Brown, Showtime is bringing back Dexter. And nice. And he's going to be, he's in it somewhere, and I assume he's going to be the yep. bad guy. Well, that's usually what he does. What else would he do? Remember when he showed up in Mandalorian as just the devil fucking face dude? The Davaranian? Oh, yep. Yeah. Yep. I was just like, yep. I love it when you get a Clancy Brown out of nowhere. So that's what I will say, uh, you know, going to Mandalorian. Um, really like. Giancarlo Esposito in uh, Breaking Bad. I think he just has played the same fucking character every time since. And that and, goes for the yeah, boys and that and goes that for Mandalorian. Of... And so you're imposing well-spoken dude in a suit. And I heard they it? were it's he was one of the top choices for Marvel to, for uh, Doctor Doom. And it's just like, okay, I, yeah, I, like, but... I like Esposito no. when you do it right, but he's not right for Doom if he's just going to do himself. Like, but it has, I mean, I would think it has to be yeah. somebody who's the same age as Reed. So, like, unless you're going to make Reed 50, are you really going to do that? It's the Marvel Universe. It's, you can have people go off into, like, the fucking negative zone or wherever Ant-Man went there for, like, a couple of years, not age, and then come back in a totally, like, That's you know true. what I mean? Yep. So, like, maybe they do it where, like, Reed made an experiment, got blasted into the whole fucking different dimension for however many years, and then comes back. Because, like, I I wouldn't be shocked if that's how they get them into the MCU anyway. Well, then you can kind of do that, like, 50s nuclear family that, like, was the only time the Fantastic Four really worked. Yeah. And when I think when Peyton Reed was going to do a Fantastic Four movie for Fox, that was his pitch, like, the whole 50s thing. Right, but, like, if they get tossed into, like, say, the negative zone for, and then fucking Doom stays on regular Earth, you can age Doom up. Yeah. Oh, right? yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely, you could. Sure. So I think that there might be something like that happens because, like I said, Marvel's <laughs> the movies kind of play fast and loose with the whole time stream now, right? Yep. Well, I heard things are getting delayed again, and they are now looking at just putting um, Black Widow out on Disney Plus. So, yeah, I would bet bet at least that one in Shang Chi will be on Disney Plus because Shang Chi is supposed to come out in like yeah November or something. I forget now; they've moved the dates around so much. How hilarious it will it be though if like only Black Widow comes out? And like Shang Chi is the first one that theaters are open for, and it goes fucking huge just because it's the only new thing to watch. It absolutely wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me. They've they've definitely built up a fan base. You know, even the people who aged out and moved on, like there there's enough people that anything they'll put out, they're they're going to crush opening weekend. Especially if people haven't been in theaters. The only thing would be if people don't run out to theaters, but. You know, and that's the thing they can they can do the split one on that if the if if people are allowed to go back to theaters in any like even half capacity like that I can see the numbers on that one going fucking like way higher than what they normally would in regular times right well I mean so the problem is like you know we've obviously been to theaters we've seen just the old stuff that they've put out we saw uh, Hocus Pocus around my birthday and then we went and saw Gremlins right before, right after Christmas. Uh, you know, we would go and, and see something if we wanted to, but like today I heard, you know, no time to die. That's got never, pushed back again. That's so never they're just going to keep pushing back the new stuff people want to see. And uh, yeah, it's like they're either Craig's trying to kill theaters or they're not doing years. anything to save them. I don't know. Because it's going to take that long for it to show up. Yeah. And he hasn't wanted to be in Bond since like year four. So like, well, the other the other thing with the Bond movie too is I yep. think you know maybe part of the problem with that is like Netflix in, uh, and Apple I think both went into negotiations with uh, Sony about you know can we get this onto a streaming platform for you guys. And then their response was like, "Yeah, you can give us six hundred million for it." <laughs> uh, Sony. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, you're right though. I think you know whatever theater math ends up being down the road from now is you know going to dictate a lot of this stuff. But um, so do we think we've pretty much mm-hmm. shot everything on the boys at this point? I did want to throw in a couple. Uh, I'm going to try to promote some of the stuff I know we're talking about doing in their future, kind of give people an idea of what, what they might be able to listen to in the next couple weeks. Cool. Um, so I am going to be doing my weekly comic book review show this week. As usual, I usually record that on Sundays. I'm also going to, uh, be on Brendan's recommendation. I did finally read the Tom King vision run last weekend. So I'm going to do something on that. And, uh, we had, we'd been talking about oh, okay, cool. for one of these, you know, to maybe uh, at some point in the next few weeks do a retro movie review on Galaxy Quest, um, depending on how many of us want to do that. And we have also been throwing around the uh, the great Star Trek debate as to which one of the series do we each consider to be the best and whatever, you know, qualifiers you might have for that. Um, just to give people an idea of where we might be going with this in the next few weeks, months, whatever. 
Yeah. And Josh, I know we were talking about you had done a bunch of back reading for all the as prep for the future state thing that we did a couple weeks ago. And we wanted to maybe do a show about some of the comic stuff you had read leading up to that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we, we could definitely do that. Uh, I read, you know, some DC. I jumped on some Marvel. You know, I, I did basically like a, a six months catch up because uh, I thought, you know, the first one we did, we were, we were going to go into that. And then uh, since then, I've checked Not out a, a few of the future state and uh, yeah. Dark Knight. I'll be curious to get some of your Marvel takes. I don't really, given what the kind of stuff we usually talk about, I don't really think of you as a Marvel person in terms of that. But, you know, I always have pictured you as more of a DC guy, but. Yeah, I've always been more of a DC guy. Marvel, I was a, you know, old time Spider-Man fan, uh, mostly Silver Age Thor, Doctor Strange, uh, old, old school Avengers. And then newer stuff, yep. you know, I loved uh, Jessica Jones when it was good. Um, things I've kept up with were uh, over the last few years. Yeah, I just finished Wolverine, that. We talked about that a little bit and yeah. uh, absolutely love, loved Gwenpool. And uh, that's one that people, you know, yeah. get wrong you, and, and sleep on. You were, right about, um, check that one you were right just about uh, all new Wolverine the and the first three trades were awesome. The rest of it was garbage. Yeah, so that was, you know, that, that fun little phenomenon that I uh, love to gripe about and have spoken about. Um, people went nuts around 2017 for whatever reason, and uh, Tom Taylor was one of them. I just remember, you know, how good the, the first few were in coming off of the, uh, the Marjorie Lou uh, X-23. I am going to go back. Incredible. If you haven't read that, definitely go back. Um yeah, and those are huge. There, there's two complete volumes that um, something like probably 50 issues total, definitely worth it. And then if you want her origin origin, it, it was, uh, the hell was it? MYX, which was like, you know, a, let's say turn of the, you know, millennial, uh, yeah. turn of the century, New Mutants wannabe set in New York. And, um, you know, like this darker, uh, edgy thing. And that's where they brought her in. But yeah, no, it was, it was good. Uh, but yeah, so I just remember getting to the uh, the Nazi stomping boots and just yeah. the complete lack of subtlety and awareness and reading that dialogue and just being like, how is this the guy who wrote Injustice? How is this the guy who wrote the, you know, if you've read at least Injustice Volume 1, the uh, incredible panel of Superman before he goes like crazy Nazi Superman and he's playing chess with the Flash at super speed, and they just keep having infinite games because, you know, they're playing at super speed, and both Superman and Flash actually have the power of, like, you know, super speed logic and intelligence and thinking, so they, they can do shit like that. And as they're playing, they're saying things, you know, the Flash is like, so what do we do? Why don't we uh, get rid of all the guns? And he's like, well, we can't do that because, you know, people have a right to own a firearm. He's like, yeah, but what if they misuse that, right? We can just get rid of it. We can take it away from them. And then they move on. He's like, you know, well, what about fast food? What about cigarettes? And he's basically talking Superman out of wanting to go on a murder spray of the villains and go down the avenue that he will eventually right. take, becoming, you yeah. know, the, and the last three Nazi trades Superman. Just, ugh. Yuck. <laughs> yeah. 
So um, he he was one of those ones who lost his mind, and uh, it's not subtle. And he thinks he has something to say, and his characters, his books suffered because of it. Okay. I'm sorry, and I trust me, he only gets worse. I think I heard there. my wife talking to our cat in the next room. So, <laughs> uh, Brent, I think you had one sorry. more thing you wanted to mention before we uh, ended this one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I noticed that uh, Burt Ward's dog, Jim and Ky- or Kyle's podcast, put up a new episode the other night, and I didn't see them post. I didn't see them posted oh, on great. page, so I just wanted to say, like anyone that's actually listens to our fucking bullshit conversations, fucking still keep checking them out. Yeah, you know, they really put funny, out quality actually. content. I, you know, I was really impressed with. Yeah, uh, definitely. With that one. Yeah. 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 So just yep. shout out, shout out to those boys. I will. Uh, our our couple yep. of guest appearances sure on there on this anyway, so we sort of owe them that, regardless. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah, yeah. Other than Absolutely. that, just we'll, keep we'll listening. Keep I guess stuff out if people are listening to it. Okay. Uh, okay. All right, boys. Sounds good. So let me just back out of here.